Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its 10th anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet Perspective Transformers, who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving seismic shifts of your own. We encourage you to invite friends to join you here now, or share quotes with attribution, and also reach out to our sponsor, WomenSpeakers.com. WomenSpeakers.com is the most popular online connecting place for Christian event planners and Christian women speakers since 2002. I'm your host, Marnie Swedberg, and I encourage you to grab a notepad and get ready to meet today's Perspective Transformer. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie, and our guest today is Jenny Hander. She's one of our speakers at womenspeakers.com. She is also an author, and she's here to share with us how to speak from and to wounded hearts. As uh, many of you know, I leave for Africa in a few days, and we are going to be addressing one of the tough topics about how to reconcile a loving God with extreme uh, poverty, loss, sadness, genocide, and more. Um, We're going to talk about the four most pivotal aha moments in Jenny's life with God, how to live an abundant life despite circumstances and loss, the importance of knowing God through the scripture versus just feelings or culture, how to invest your gifts into your kids and family first before outside ministry, and the importance, indeed, the necessity of living a life fully surrendered to God. Our guest today is author, speaker, Jenny Hander, and she can relate to the despondent. Now the homeschooling mother of six, Jenny lost one of her twin daughters after 28 days and spent 89 days in the neonatal unit with her surviving twin. She is compassionate, gifted, and skilled at leading grieving hearts into a life of abundance through a relationship with Christ along the path of God's word. Welcome to you, Jenny. Thank you, Marnie. Thank you. Well, it's great to be here, and um, I just... This is a tough topic. I remember the first time I saw extreme poverty. I was in Peru with compassion. And we went um, we went up into the hills and were in homes that weren't homes. They were just, they were, but they were just yeah. like a, a little tent hood thing. And then that night we went out to supper at a nice restaurant. And I remember right. the mental... Uh, trauma of of reconciling how this God who makes sunsets and sunrises can also handle um, some of his children being in so much pain. And I am so grateful that you are here to join me today to talk about this difficult subject because I think it, it trips up a lot of people um, how to how to think about a God who can do both things. That's right. I think it does, too. And I think a lot of people are turned off, I mean, just instantly by God, mm-hmm. and they don't care to know anything more. They never go any further into a relationship with God because they tend to hear these horrible tragedies, and we instantly blame God instead of going to him and asking him to give us understanding and helping us to cope and to comfort those who are going through these things or maybe even ourselves. So I know myself was very quick to blame God uh, and, and not as fast. I was much, much slower to want to listen to him and, and see what he may have to say about my suffering. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to kind of start with the story of your twin daughters. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, this was a, a point of extreme pain and confusion, I'm sure. I, I've always thought that the loss of a child, whether it's in, in the womb still or newborn or even an adult child, um, is one of the most difficult things in the world because it's um it was it was like a promise and then it was like a broken promise and so it just feels so painful so you actually had four pivotal aha moments along your journey of healing and i want you to just kind of start taking us down that road here yes well so my husband and i were so shocked to 
learned that we were expecting twin girls anyway. I had secretly always dreamed of having twins, and I never mm. told my husband that. I didn't want to scare him away. Um, but <laughs> right. when when we you know when we realized we we're expecting twins, I thought, man, God is is so good. This is the God I knew mm. that He blessed His children, and um, that this I just knew this was from Him, and I was ecstatic. So to suddenly lose one, I was completely defeated and bewildered and had so many questions for God. I thought, is God not good? Did I do something wrong to displease him? Because only God knew how badly I'd always dreamed of having twins. And then to have one taken away just felt like the ultimate betrayal, that why did God allow me to have twins in the first place if he was just going to take one away? So just that confusion, that hurt, that pain, um, our, our, our daughter was very sick, so I could make peace in her passing because I believe that she is healed now, and no mother wants to watch their child suffer, um, which is what the doctors and nurses told us to expect with her life is that it would be very difficult for her, um, so I could make peace with that, but I just could not make peace with how I was going to live this full, rich life I'd always dreamed of living as a bereaved mother. I knew I'd be okay because I had my surviving twin daughter, I had my family with me, um, but I just didn't believe or didn't see how life would ever be full and rich again. So for six months, this is part of the grieving process, I really lived in denial. I just I just refused to believe that this is what my life was going to look like and, and prayed and just asked God, you know, let me wake up. This has just got to be a bad dream. This cannot be what my life is going to consist of. And after six months, I was too tired. I was too tired to keep placing my hope in that false place of mm-hmm. only wanting her return, only believing I could live a full and rich life with both of my twin daughters to love. And I realized that something has to give. Um, either I'm going to succumb to this life of mediocrity and defeat, or God is going to have to do something here. And so I remember moving to the opposite room of the house. I had my survivor at home with me. I put her in the swing and moved to the opposite side of the house and just broke down and cried like I hadn't cried in six months. And I just asked God. I knew one scripture verse back then, and it was 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, that says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And that was the only verse I knew back then, but that was enough for me to believe that God intended for us to live full and richly. And so I asked God, I said, This is the one thing that you had promised that I knew, but now I see no way for this to be fulfilled anymore. Would you show me if there's a way? And that was all I prayed, and just instantly I felt the burden of grief lift. I wasn't okay. I was still very sad and had a lot of grief to work through, but I felt that burden lift. It was so much lighter, and I knew Mm -hmm. that God was there, and I knew that he had a plan, and that he he was going to show me that, yes, this life is still possible for you as a bereaved mother, but I had to follow him and show, let him show me which way to go. You know, and that's the the huge difference between um, going on forever railing against him. Um, you know, it's it's like a, a, I think of a young child who's having a tantrum and pounding on a parent's chest <laughs> and yes. finally succumbs to being coupled in their arms. You know, kind of the difference there, you know, or like you yes. say, you just reach the end of the point of exhaustion where you just could no longer do this and and for all of us that comes at a different that comes at a different point it is triggered by different things um but but for you somewhere along the way the sovereignty of god made a difference for you tell us about that that's right and that was really one of the first things i had to come to terms with is do i believe that god is in control or not and right after our daughter passed away i questioned that because if god was good then how could this have happened so maybe right. god wasn't in control you know maybe he turned his back for just a second to help someone else and the enemy swooped in and this is what happened and so i for a few days i i wrestled with that idea and thought man that's terrifying if if yeah, right. can do yeah. that then that's really scary. And so quickly I reconciled, no, I cannot, I can't do that. I do believe that God is in control all the time. So that was really kind of the first aha moment of, this is one thing I have got to grasp onto here. God is in control all of the time. But my next question was, is he good? Because if he's in control all of the time, then how did this happen or why did this happen? 
And so that was the next thing was, um, is God good? And so to, to, to know that, to find that answer, I really had to turn to the scriptures. And that was the first time I started to study the Bible um, on my own because I needed to know. I had agreed to trust God and to kind of believe he was in control, believe that maybe he had a, something, a way for this to work out. But I needed to know more. But I needed to know that I could trust him. So it was turning to the scriptures for the first time and then learning just little by little, just one scripture at a time. Because when you're overcome with grief and sorry, it, you just you can't read big books of the Bible and, and do hours of Bible study. It, it was all I could do just to read one verse at a time. And somebody had given me a devotional book. And so, again, for the first time reading these scriptures, and I would read one verse and have just a short commentary on it. And sometimes I would use that verse just hour by hour to remind me of what God had said. And one of the first ones was Romans 8.28 that says God will work all things for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say all things are good, but it says mm-hmm. that God will work things for good. So that was huge for me was learning that, okay, God can still do something here. God can pick up these pieces and put them together in a way that's good. Well, I wanted to know more about God, and so I continued to study and just found so many promises. You know, Psalm 119 says that God is good and does only good. Jeremiah 29:11 that so many people are familiar with talks about God having a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. And we and we like that verse, and yet it doesn't always feel like it applies to us, right? Because it doesn't feel like we're always being prospered. But if we also read that verse in context and realize that God spoke that to his people while they were in exile, and they were going to be there for 70 years. I mean, some of them would die in exile, but still God promised them, look, there's there's purpose in this, and this is going to be for your good. And there's another verse in the book of Romans I love that says, all things are for God's glory. And now we know that the suffering of his people, that's not a good thing, and that's not... I, I don't believe that he doesn't want us to have to suffer for his glory, but that is how this world has been set in motion ever since the introduction of sin into the world. Mm-hmm. I remember several years ago um, when God was calling me into deeper waters in ministry, you know, where it would take more mm-hmm. faith. And I was reading several books at one time, which I, I tend to do. <laughs> and in all of them, in all of them, the Christians that the book were about, the books were about were being tortured or killed or I mean, it was like it was just it was like, God, where are you and why are you allowing this? If you're a good God, why, how can you stomach this? Because I couldn't, you know, it's like I was reading them all. And, of course, the enemy, in my mind, I think, was using them to say, and this is going to be your fate, too. If you trust this God, you, too, will be tortured and killed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and very well that may happen. But, um, but the bottom line, when I was really um, like, Dad, you just have to explain to me how you can handle this. What it came down to for me, and I'd love your feedback on this too in your own experience, but what it came down to for me was an understanding that because we live in a fallen world where sin is uh, an option for people, we, we have yes. the option to sin all the time. And yes. so because we live in this fallen world and we're not yet in heaven, as long as Jesus doesn't come back and the plug is pulled on time as we know it. So once Jesus comes back, that changes everything. Now, now it is the end. And there's only just a, you know, just a short little window. And then really life on earth is is gone as we know it. And so every day that he waits, and this is what he communicated to my heart with so much compassion. And I can't, I can't express it here in words, but with so much compassion, he just said, because my love is so great. And he, I understood that if he would to pull the plug on time as we know it, many people would go to hell. Um, there are unborn babies who would not be able to go to heaven because they haven't, you know, they, they weren't conceived yet. They weren't even part of the world yet. He was waiting. Yes. He was waiting for the right time to make this choice. And until then, yes, sin reigns in so many ways, reigns on the earth. But God is the loving father who helps us walk through it, just like any really good dad, except way better, but like a really good dad would help his children through a difficult season in their life. Yes. And that's what I love, too, that, I mean, the verse in Second Peter that says, you know, God is being patient. 
mm-hmm. because he cares about this. He's waiting for the salvation of many. So he says, you know, don't don't get impatient on God's timing because there is absolutely a purpose to this is because God is waiting for so many more to come to salvation before it is too late because there is mm-hmm. going to be a day where you cannot make that choice any longer. That's it. And so I, too, have read several books just on how could God allow, you know, suffering? Why does he allow the enemy so much rain? I mean, because make no mistake that the enemy is absolutely under God's command at all times. I mean, it's never, I think sometimes people picture God and the enemy wrestling back and forth, and that's mm-hmm. not the picture at all. That's not mm-hmm. the picture that we see in the scriptures at all, that God is in control absolutely all the time. Now, the enemy, um, because he was such a such a high-ranking angel in the, in back in the creation, that he still has a great amount of power on this earth. And you and I don't like that. I mean, I really don't like that. But that's just the truth. And so what we see in the scriptures, as we read about God's people of suffering, I mean, there were so many examples of God's people suffering. You think of Israel. There were slaves in Egypt for just about 400 years. I mean, there again, his people died at the hands of an enemy. Um, But he allowed that to happen until the fullness of his purpose reached that time. You see Joseph, who suffered so much in the Old Testament. You see the man named Job, who suffered a great deal in the Old Testament. Um, All of these people, they didn't suffer because they had done something to bring it upon themselves. There's a difference between, you know, suffering the consequences of a bad choice. I mean, that's something that we are going to have to live out. But even in that, there is victory. I think of Mm -hmm. the story of the Israelites. So when God did lead his people out of Egypt, they, he led them through the wilderness. That was intentional. You know, we talk about wilderness journeys, and so in in the first part of Numbers, you see God intentionally leading his people through the wilderness. Now, that wilderness experience gets extended because of their unbelief, and that's what you see happen um, kind of in the book of Numbers, the book of Joshua, um, is that Israel was delayed. So there were two wilderness journeys. One was God's perfect plan for them, but he still was going to lead them through that. The second was a result of their unbelief, and yet God still led them. God still used it. So it is never too late for us. Whether our suffering is a result of some consequences of a bad choice we've made, God will still lead us through that and still can work that for good. God knew ahead of time we were going to make those choices. Or whether our suffering is at the hands of somebody else, that is absolutely when God says, no, I have got this. And so just like God um, uses Joseph to tell us people, you know, you meant this to harm me, but God meant mm-hmm. it for good. It doesn't mean that God comes along after the fact, cleaning up the mess of the enemy. It says that God, in his infinite wisdom, says, you know what, I'm going to let this happen because I know that there's going to be a greater result of it than if it had never happened at all. And so there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says we cannot understand all of God's ways we can't. There's, and I'm glad that I can't. I'm glad if I could understand everything God did, then I could rule the world, and that wouldn't be a good thing. So I am thankful that I can understand all of God's ways. And I read a book recently um, from another author, and she wrote, Some questions demand our full surrender. And I love that because there are still so many questions. When you see suffering, when you see the starvation, when you see genocide, we say, God, how could you, how could you? But we just don't have an answer for that. And so instead we have to go back to what we do know about God. We know that God is in control all of the time. We know that he sees things that happen in the darkness just as it was happening in the light. And we know that God has promised that whatever we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he's going to reveal to us later. So I think of all of those that have to go through all of this suffering now. If that is a result of his plan, there is a reward for that. He knows that you had to suffer, and he says, I am going to make this up to you, as if salvation wasn't enough, you know, as if spending heaven with me is not enough. He says, I, you will not believe what I am going to reveal to you later. And I'd, I'd like to believe that we may see eventually just what our suffering accomplished. You know, maybe when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom, that he will allow us to see, look, this is why I allowed you to go through all of this, and this is your reward, are all of these souls that are here in heaven because of what you went through. I mean, I, I, had, a, I had a saying that I said every day for a while, a couple of years ago. I, I go through these stages where I have to just get something real internalized. And this one, this one was, I'm going to be as grateful in this moment when I can't see how God is providing for me and protecting me as I will be when I see him face to face. 
because I know that in that moment, I'll be flat out on my face and I'll be like, sorry, 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 sorry. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. you know, I just want to be able to see it all right now. But that's kind of ridiculous. That's kind of like me not comprehending how, you know, there's a buffer around the outside of the atmosphere that keeps the, the you know, sunburst exactly. from, uh, yeah. you know, destroying the earth. I don't know how any of that's going on, but I know right. that it is so that he's taking care of me in ways far beyond what I can ever imagine. And yet when I get into a painful situation or when I'm seeing something I don't understand, I tend to want to have you know, I want to know the answer right now in this moment. And yeah. just that, that conscious awareness that actually, I don't need to. Actually, I'm going to just by faith believe mm-hmm. that right now, right here, he's protecting and providing for me, even though I can't see how that is. You know, it talks, um, the, the next part of, you know, when you were processing the loss of it, I mean, it makes it sound so cold and clinical, and I'm sure it was just nothing <laughs> like cold and clinical. But yeah. when you were going through the process of grieving your daughter, mm-hmm. um, another thing that made a big impact on you was the purposes of God. Absolutely. Yes, I needed to know that her life wasn't in vain. Right. She was with us for 28 days. And, I, I, you know, as a mother, like you said, just grieving the loss of a child is so unexpected. We know that we're going to lose our parents at some point, but you just don't expect to be, to outlive your children. And so, I mean, my husband and I, we had no idea the hospital was asking us, well, where would you like to have her buried or, this, or, this, or the, the cemetery, the funeral? And we just looked at each other like, are you, are you kidding me? Are we, I mean, we, those are not things that you think right. about, after, you know, five years into marriage. And so, um, but just I needed to know that there was purpose in her sweet little life. And mm-hmm. shortly, I said around six months later, I began to read the scriptures, and I found out that there was, that God promises that her life, just it mattered. It mattered to him, it matters to me, and it's going to matter for all of eternity. And knowing that, just, it, I don't want to say it made it worth it, but it just it allowed me to keep going. It gave strength that I needed to know it wasn't an accident, that it did matter, that her life did matter, and that uh, my life and my family, that it matters what we do and how we live because God promises that he has got something for us to do. And so, um, you know, this is 14 years ago, and I just asked God, could you just, would you just let me see a little bit of this purpose, a little bit of this goodness that you have said would come from it. I, I don't, God, you don't have to show it all to me, and you don't have to show me any of it, really, but I just asked him if he would, and he has shown me so many times over the years the goodness that has come from her life, and even perhaps more so from her death, because I would never have come to know God like I know him now without going through those difficult times, and I think that's what God knew, and that's why he allowed it all along. Is that he, you know, he says, this is what's necessary for you to know me in the way that I want you to know me and to do the work that I want you to do. And I, that I wouldn't trade for anything. As a mother, I always wish that she was here, but I wouldn't trade all that God has done for it to be back to you know, the mother I might have been had I not ever gone through that loss. I'm mm-hmm. afraid I would have gone back to work. I planned to always work. Um, and I just, I can't even imagine what life would be like had I not gone through that experience. And, you know, something um, overseas. I mean, this the loss of a child is something that mothers in, in third world countries go through all the time. This is not, yeah. well, I want to say it's not a big deal. Uh, it's a huge deal. But it's, they go through it so much. And so when I told that story to them that I had also experienced the loss of a child, they were floored and could not believe that we had that in common. And so it was just a mm-hmm. blessing, you know, to see the purpose coming from it again so many times and knowing that God is faithful. No life is an accident. No life is wasted if mm-hmm. you would live that life surrendered to him. It's the difference in perspective between um, what's in it for me right now <laughs> and what is God's purpose. You know, I mean, that's the, if if my focus is all about what's in it for me, how does this feel, or even not just me, honestly, uh, for me, uh, it's everybody I love. I don't want to see anybody suffer. I, I'm, right. I'm very protective. <laughs> yeah. it's like if, if someone I know is suffering, I'm like all in God's face, like, what are you doing? You know? Right. Um, and it's like, he's like, no, it's just not about only this moment. His, his perspective is so big and yet 
so small. You know, the, mm-hmm. the micro, you know, the macro manager, he says, you know, the children of Israel will be in, in um, slavery for 400 years and then there'll be 400 yeah. years and Jesus will come and everything yeah. will change. And he can, he can do this big scope thing. And then mm-hmm. the, you know, micromanager right down to the detail of, you know, when the conception happens and how it yeah. happens and, you know, just right down to every little small detail. So we, we have this impression of him that he's hands off and that he's not involved if something bad, if something feels bad, but he's right there with us. Right. Yep. He's uh, all the time. And I think those are the things that we have to know, even when we don't feel them. I think that is so important that if we just go our feelings are fickle. And so if we only believe what we can feel, then our relationship with God is going to be very strained, very difficult, especially as hard times come, because if we don't feel God's presence, we have to be able to go back to that head knowledge of, no, God says in his word, he is always with me, and that he can see, I mean, I love those verses that say he can see the things in the dark, the hidden things, the things that go on in the homes of the wicked, God sees them, and so it always, for me, always goes back to that first kind of aha moment of God is sovereign, and so it's like Job, you know, when he gets the news that he's lost all of his family, the first thing he does is falls to the ground and worships. Well, maybe I think he shaves his head first, but thankfully we don't, we don't respond that way to bad news. But he falls to the ground and worships. And to me, that's what, that's what I have to go back and do when I hear bad news is go back and say, okay, wait, God is in control. He's sovereign, and he is here with me. And then I can take that next step of faith and, and reminding myself he is good. Not only is he with me, but he's also good. And then that next step of, okay, and there's a purpose in this. I may not like it. I may not like it for myself or for my loved one, but God promises that there is a great purpose in this. So for me, it always comes back to these kind of these same steps that I have to go back to, especially the harder the news, the, the, the more I've got to go back to those truths that I know to be true in my head, regardless if they feel true or not. Hmm. Right. And I, I believe that feelings never lie as far as what you feel. What you feel is based on actually what you're believing right then, that that it's telling you an accurate, it's kind of like taking your temperature. It's not that the temperature is correct. It's maybe, maybe you have a high fever and we need to bring that down. But the temperature, the thermometer is going to tell you the accurate fact of how you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And that's how our feelings are. It, it's an accurate it's an accurate reflection of what we're actually feeling and believing at the moment, yeah. but yeah. it's not always based on truth. Sometimes it's right. really based on a lie. We've been, you know, sold a lie. We've maybe believed our whole lives or since we were right. small or whatever. And so it's an opportunity. I come more and more to love that first chapter of James, you know, count it all joy when you fall into trouble. And the reason is because if I truly believe that God's going to take every problem and turn it into something great that he's going to take every challenge and make it good something that couldn't have been this good without the challenge then all of a sudden i understand why i would get okay this is hard this is tough but this is good because god's going to actually you know provide something here that wouldn't be possible otherwise the last part so you're kind of your bridge if you would um that you use to get from you know, your thoughts all the way across this bridge of truth. Um, it starts with sovereignty, that God is sovereign, and then that God is good, that he has a purpose in all this. And then and then the last part of it for you is that he's not just your Savior, but he's your Lord. Yes, and I think, and that was something that really came about probably a couple of years later after we lost our daughter is that I believe I had accepted Christ as my Savior as a sophomore in high school. I recognized I was a sinner and needed to be saved from that, and that only Jesus could have done that for me, that I, there's nothing I can do on my own you know, to reconcile myself with God, but that Jesus died for me. And it was accepting that and you know, celebrating that and, and, and thanking Christ for that. But it stopped there for, for me. And I, I knew that God loved me all through high school and college, and I knew I should pray to God. And But I thought I could live life just kind of however I wanted to, as long as I wouldn't do anything too bad. Um, and so I really, after all of this happened, and really all of my plans for life were 
taken away, uh, kind of disabled, because all of a sudden I was at home with a child who was still very sick, uh, walked away from a career that I really enjoyed and planned to stay with. And so all of a sudden, just realizing, you know, not only losing my daughter, but just losing all of the things I thought would happen in my life. And so realizing, well, okay, God is sovereign, and he's good, and he has a purpose for me. And oh my goodness, well, maybe I need to ask him about everything that I do and and how I go from here. And that was my first recognition of, man, I've never made God the Lord of my life. And so in that, it's just, you know, the Lordship is the surrender of my desires and my agenda and accepting whatever God has given me and, and planned for me to do. And so just a big difference there between Savior but also, I mean, that's the first step is, is recognizing Jesus as our Savior and God, God's provision in that. But then the next step is that he also wants to be the Lord of our life. And if we are following him and doing the things that he's leading us to do, that is the way that we achieve that First Corinthians 2 verse 9 kind of life. Because the scriptures tell us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, you know, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And so that was the life I'd always dreamed of, but I didn't realize that the way to encounter or embrace that life was by allowing him to show me. He was the author of that verse, and he also wanted to be the author of everything that I would do Mm -hmm. in life. And so it's only since making that commitment. And, And again, for me, I think the choice was a little bit easier because so much, so many of my desires uh, were taken away. And so I think it's harder for the person who life is going okay for them. I think it's harder for them to make that surrenderance and saying, Lord, what, you know, have all of me. What would you like? Um, but for me, I was at a very low place. So I, I had less to give up in a way, I guess you could say. And I just said, okay, God, this is, this hurts. This is a mess. Would you just take me from here and show me? And he did. And so me, you know, asking God to be the Lord of my life too. And it, mind you, it doesn't need to be two separate conversations. Ideally, it's it's all in one. But I just never made that connection. I'm not saying I wasn't taught. I just, it never, it never clicked mm-hmm. for me until I really had no other choice. And um, mm-hmm. and yet, it is the best, uh, absolutely the best choice to make. I mean, because only God can make all of these things, the good and the bad, work together into something beautiful. But we've got to allow him to show us what to do. I never planned to be a stay-at-home mom, much less a homeschooling mom. But that is absolutely what God has planned for me. And there are so many ways that God fulfills these deep desires within me where I am here at home with my children, teaching them. I I love to teach. And so I'm getting to use this gift, this Mm -hmm. passion that I have on my children first. And those are things I would have completely missed out on had I never surrendered and asked God, what would you like to do with my life? Why do you have me here? Hmm. It's interesting you said that it might have been easier for you because you had lost so much um, to do with that. And I, I have a saying that we are all hopelessly addicted to the yeah. delusion that we're in control of anything. And yes. as as that as that addiction, as that delusion is stripped away, we come to recognize that all of our self-protection, that all of our self-provision and all of our self-anything, that all of this is standing in opposition to what God wants to do in our lives. And what he wants us to do is to recognize he's in control and getting on track with his plan for our lives is the only way to truly have, and, and this is actually what we're going to talk about next, is the abundant life that he offers us. It's, it's more than having what we think we want. It's not really about that. And, and it's, about, it's, about a, it's about a soul level peace and joy that can only come when we let go of what we think we want and receive what God wants for us. Yes, yes, and so that, I mean, I know that that is a desire that God placed in me as a child, because I really couldn't tell you where it came from, but I just know since, I mean, childhood, just remembering, man, I want to just live, and it doesn't mean I have to live in a mansion Mm -hmm. and go on vacation, and and Jet said, I just wanted to live, to fully enjoy the life I've been given, and I thought the way to do that was to, uh, you know, go to school and have a degree and have a job and make lots of money, I mean, that just made sense to me, and yet when all of that was taken away, that was why the Mm -hmm 
grief was just so immense because all of a sudden I saw no way to live the fullness of life anymore. And yet, in turning, you know, all of my desires and just the way over to God, um, he has allowed me to live a life that's more full and more rich than I ever would have been able to achieve on my own and it's god who created us i mean the scriptures are clear that god is the one who made us so therefore it makes the most sense whether we like to admit it or not that god knows us better than anyone else yes god probably knew how badly i'd always wanted those twin girls but god also knew what he would do with our experience and so he allowed me to go through that so he could just continue to show me that he knew best and so, as I've mentioned, I mean, that's teaching is something I love. Now, that's not something I pursued in college. I, I didn't think I wanted to do that. And teachers, they do not get paid enough money for what they do. And so I chose a different career path. But growing up as a child, I played school every afternoon in my room. I mean, for Christmas, I asked for a student desk. My grandmother was a math teacher, and she gave me her student or her teacher manual one year. And I thought I had just made it. I was a real teacher with a real teacher guy in my room. and. You know, and those that's how God made me. And yet, I don't think I ever would have tapped into that had I not been put in this position. And homeschooling was something my husband, it was my husband's idea, not mine. Um, I couldn't wait to, to just travel and speak to women, you know. Um, but he said, yeah, would you consider it? And I, you know, did. I didn't want to, but I did. And it is now, like I said, God has me doing what I love to do most with my own children. And that brings me more joy and satisfaction than I would have ever dreamed. If he'd have told me that God's purpose for me was to homeschool six children, I would have thought, you have got the wrong purpose. <laughs> but God knew. God is the one that made us. And no, that's why we can trust him with those desires and say, God, okay, you know me best. What is it? What you know? What will satisfy me the most? And again, it's not just about us, but it's about how God wants to use us um, in this world, in the community that He's placed us in. And so, again, just having that connection with women across the across the globe who have also lost a child. I mean, God allowed me to make a connection with those women like no one else could. And all of those pieces are part of what makes my life so full and rich, is being able to reach out to the hurting. And that was another thing. I didn't want this to be part of my story. I mean, this is, I have a sad mm-hmm. story. And mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I wanted the the, the joyful. I, I spoke at a conference one time, and the other breakout session was God's giddy, greedy, grateful girls. And that speaker had the ladies laughing and because we shared a, a wall. And my session, mm-hmm. people weren't laughing <laughs> as much. And I thought, well, I have her story. <laughs> You know, but God has shown me, in a way, this is the harder story. And so I have the privilege of being able to relate to people who feel as if they've lost everything. And my story is not nearly as hard as what some people have to go through, not even in comparison. And yet I can still relate to them. I know what it's like to not have life go how you thought it was going to go. And yet, because God has shown me how you are still able to live that life of abundance, then my greatest desire, my greatest joy comes from coming alongside of other people and saying, look, I may not understand your situation, I may not understand your pain, but I will walk beside you, if you'd allow me to, and show you how a fullness of life is available to you. But it only comes from a relationship with God, not our circumstances. So what was the role of the Bible? What was the role of scripture in your healing? Well, my background is in engineering. And so for me, I have, I I need to know the facts. I need to know what's true. And people were telling us after our daughter passed away that um, time will heal. It'll get easier. You'll be okay. But I needed more than that. I didn't need to know I'd eventually be okay. I needed to know that that dream, that desire I'd always had of living this, you know, just an extreme, an extraordinary life, that that was still possible for me. And no one could offer me that promise with, other than just like a pat on the back. And so um, because, like I said, decided to trust God and say, okay, you know, I know one verse about you. I'd like to know more. And so for that was for the first time to start to study the scriptures because I needed to know what was going to be true regardless of my circumstances. 
because I could relate to the disciples in Luke chapter 24 after Jesus has been crucified and they are walking along the road to Emmaus and they are completely bewildered, completely confused because right. even though they had spent three years with Jesus and three years with his intimate teaching, the crucifixion was so much more gruesome and horrific than what they expected that they were confused. And I felt the same way. I thought God was good, but what I went through was so much more extreme than I ever thought I would go through that I was confused. And so I needed to know God in light of suffering. So I think even if I had known you know, any more of the scriptures, I would have still had to go back again. That's what Jesus says with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, is he takes them back through the scriptures in light of all that they've seen now. And so that is what God's word promises to me, is that regardless of how I feel, regardless of what my life looks like, regardless of what the world looks like, these scriptures hold true, whether I can make sense of them or not. There were so many things in the scriptures that don't make any sense, right? I mean, you've got Joshua, a mighty warrior, and he's marching around um, the city of Jericho, right. and God says, don't <laughs> right. fight. Just march around seven times and blow some horns, and the wall is going to fall down. Well, that's ridiculous, but you see Joshua's faithfulness to God and God's faithfulness to Joshua. And same thing. I mean, you've got so many examples throughout the scriptures where God tells these people to do something that's ridiculous, but it's their obedience that brings about God's fulfillment of the promise. And it's the same thing for you and me. So no matter what we go through, no matter what's been done to us, no matter, I would say, what, it, what we've even done in the past, the moment that we begin to live according to God's word, to live in a relationship with him through our faith in Christ, then all of God's promises hold true for us. God's promises hold true no matter what we do or don't do, but we will begin to see them fulfilled in our own life as we begin to walk in a relationship with God and allowing him to work those circumstances for our good. It says for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say that God's going to fix everything for everybody. It says, for those who are walking in relationship with him, God is going to, in fact, already has worked out those circumstances for their good and ultimately for God's glory. But for me, God's word holds true no matter what I see or hear is going on, and that's what I need to know. I need to have this foundation that I can stand on regardless of what is happening. And so just like um, you see you know, the believers of old, it says that they were looking forward to all that God had promised. And it's the same way with you and I, is that we will not see everything fulfilled in our lifetime, but we know that at some point God is going to restore everything to a beautiful place, and everything that we've endured is just a part of that. So for me, God's word is just vital, and I need that as a daily reminder. If I go once a week reading the scriptures, then the world is too much. The news that I receive from the world is just, it's, it, you know, it, it's just never ending, and so it, it starts to outweigh what I remember reading in God's word. And so for me, I have got to be in the scriptures every single day so that I can remember what is actually true before I go out and face the world. And it puts things into perspective. Just this morning, I was up early and I was like, God, you have got to talk to me. Am I going stark raving mad? And I just started writing down, you know, questions. Okay, this is this is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? And God was just responding. And at one point I said, so, so it does look like insanity. So what is the difference between insanity and faith? And his, his response to my soul was, the difference is that insanity is without me faith is with me and if you look at the people in the bible i mean god told abraham to take your son up on a hill and sacrifice him that's insane that's insane Uh, but but because god told him to it became not insane it became it became the thing he was supposed to do next and like you just said you know walking around a city seven days including on the sabbath day when you're supposed to be resting and then having, yeah. you know, God, yeah, that's the battle plan, you know, or Gideon, you know, just right. let's take yeah. some, let's take some pots and see how that works. You know, 300 men against thousands, tens of thousands of warriors. Yeah. It is insane mm-hmm. unless God's in it. And then it's just supernatural. And yeah. they look, the, the, the insanity and supernatural look the same. Until until you realize God's in it, and then you're like, no, 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 okay, this is good, this is God, this is okay. And so I think that that's really confusing for us. And when we look at the trauma 
in the world, the pain, the sadness in our own lives, in the lives of those we love, and in the lives of those around the world. You know, I think just just the sex trafficking thing alone is enough to kind of just break our brains. We can't even, we cannot even get our arms around the intensity of the pain and these lives. Um, it, It is too big for me to even comprehend, except for one thing. I can just take it to Jesus every time it comes to my thoughts and I can leave it with him and then say, is there anything I can do for you today? You know, and then just whatever, maybe it's just to let it go. Maybe it's to do something in particular, but just that he's bigger, he's bigger. So when you think of all of these needs and you've, you know, traveled around the world and spoken and, and encouraged lives and you're at home homeschooling your kids, how do you feel about that? How do you think about that? How do you put that into perspective? Yes, and it is. It's so overwhelming at times, especially when I look um, at my own children and the lives of privilege that we have here. Mm -hmm. And I have looked at women and their children on the other side of the world. I've looked at women that have endured atrocities that you and I, you know, God willing, will never have to endure. And, And they go back home to that. So here we were at a women's conference um, in the Congo, and, and it was good, and we were okay. I knew you know, that God was with us, but these women had to go back home, and I got to leave. I got to cross the border and go back right. home to where mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. And so I just grieved for that, and, Lord, it's, it's not fair, and I, haven't, I don't deserve to be here, and they don't deserve to be there. And how do I reconcile that? And yet one thing, and so in addition to just to kind of, like you said, surrendering, and I love what that author says, that some questions demand our full surrender. Uh, other than just giving it up to God, is also looking at these who have gone through such um, atrocities and looking at their faith, and their faith is greater than mine. And so, you know, we oftentimes go to other countries and we think that we're going to go and help them, that they somehow need right. us. <laughs> and in actuality, it's I who needs them. And it is, it is I, my faith is strengthened by spending time with them because they, their faith, is so much greater than mine. I remember the second time that I went um, back to the Congo and stood at the border. Um, the, the very first year, the women came, and they wouldn't look at us for the first couple of days. They just they hid their faces and were too ashamed to look up at us. By the end of the mm-hmm. conference, they were laughing and singing, and we were. it was a great time. But mm-hmm. the second time I went back, those women met us at the border, and they were laughing and singing and waving mm-hmm. from the very mm-hmm. first moment. And they had friends with them that we had never met mm-hmm. before, and yeah. yet, those women were not ashamed. They were laughing and smiling and waving because their friends had told them about us and about, you know, about all that God had done. And so I told those women, this is what the joy of the Lord looks like. You don't see this in my country. You know, I don't see this in my, my little world, my safe little world, because if something goes wrong, I'm mad. I mean, I, you know, I want God to fix it right now. And yet these women, this is their life. Those women, when they left the conference, like I said, went back to those villages and facing. They didn't know what they would face. And yet they still rejoice because they know that God is with them and they know they, that God is going you know, to never forsake them. And so um, I just, I'm thankful for that. And that's, that is sometimes how I pray for those who are going through these times is that their faith would be strengthened, that they would come to know God is so real and all that they need. Um, and then just knowing that God has promised that there's a purpose in it. And, and again, that's so, I just, you almost hate to say that because it sounds so easy just to throw out there that, well, God, it sounds you know, very flippant that, well, God has a purpose, so it's all fine. It's not all fine. God grieves when his children suffer. I mean, you think of how Jesus responded when Lazarus had died. Jesus wept. God is grieved by the wickedness and by the evil, but we have to go back and remember God's sovereignty and wisdom and just knowing that he is allowing it to happen for a greater purpose. Now, you and I cannot imagine something, or I can't, I cannot imagine something that's good enough to warrant the suffering that goes on in this world. But that's because my mind is so much smaller compared to God's. Mm -hmm. And so God, again, has said, look, I know you are suffering, and I'm aware of it, and the Bible teaches us that God could stop it. If he wanted to, and see some people stop right there, they say, then why doesn't he? And if God doesn't stop it, then forget it. I don't want any part of that. But you can't give up on God. You've got to realize you cannot stop the suffering. You and I cannot stop the suffering. But we can submit and surrender to the one who can. 
and the one who, if he has chosen not to stop that suffering, it is for a greater purpose. And we have to trust in that and then just ask those in, in you know, who are amidst that suffering that their faith would be strengthened, that they would come to know God if they don't already, and that God would truly bring beauty from the ashes. Mm. Yeah, and whatever he has you doing right now, um, that is where to invest your gifts to invest your time to invest your focus i remember um a couple things from when i was homeschooling and raising kids one of them was changing dirty diapers and i remember kind of being frustrated at this messy stinky job and it was so meaningless it just had to be done over and over and over and um god just communicated to my heart i remember very specifically where i was standing exactly and uh, god just communicated to my heart this is this too, can have our eternal reward if you do it in and through me, for me. Um, it's a choice that we make not to do whatever he has us doing for him. And honestly, some people are out there, um, we also have the choice to go do something big and in front of a bunch of people that has no eternal reward. And First Corinthians is, is clear about that in 13. I mean, you can give your body to be burned and it has no value if you don't do it in God's love. So, you know, just this just this awareness that just like there's this huge um this huge span between the extreme poverty of some and the extreme wealth of others, there's also this huge difference between something that you're doing like I remember another day I was picking up dog poops in the backyard after the long winter our backyard was full of dog excrement and I was going around the yard in these mucky boots and it was just this horrible hideous sloppy muddy poopy job and I remember just thinking god this is just so hideous I'm just I hate this and he's like if you will do this for me this too has an eternal reward and I'm like how could this possibly have an eternal reward but it's because he just wants everything about me he doesn't just want the stuff that is on tv or the stuff that is valued by culture he wants every ounce of me to be his to be devoted to him to be doing it in and through and for him and by him and to him and so uh, there no matter what he's calling you to do right now and there's seasons it came to pass, you know, everything, everything doesn't come to stay. You know, your children are only small for so long. You only have this, this season that you're homeschooling your kids. Um, Jenny, this is just, just a short period of time. My kids are all grown now. Homeschooling is in the past. That's not something I get to do right now, but now, you know, there's a different season. So I think the critical thing here is in all of these things that seem too big for us and all of the things that seem so like, how could that matter compared to this other thing? Or how could God let this bad thing happen compared to a good thing? All of this becomes, uh, all of it is synergistic and all of it becomes one cohesive story, his story, um, as we yield it to him and just trust that he is choosing this and using us. Absolutely. And there have been many days in homeschooling, and I bet there'll be some more to come, where it does. It feels like no one sees. Um, we are forgotten. And I love it when people mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, I respect your choice to homeschool. I'm like, I didn't choose. <laughs> that I had to do. And I'm just being obedient. And so people don't see as obedient. They see it as a choice. I'm like, no. Who would choose to, you know, have an education of, of multiple children and multiple grade levels and staying home all day every day? And now some people would choose that. Don't get me wrong. And even in, and so to your point is that if we, you know, have have given our lives over to God. And mind you, I try to take my life back probably every day. I mean, there's there's moments every day where I think, nope, I've got this, and this is what I want to do. And then I have to remember every day, God, what do you want me to do today? And so if we are living and attempting to live for God, he is going to use that, and he is going to lead us and, and allow our circumstances to guide us to re- exactly where he'd have us to be. So just like me, sometimes there are moments where I'd like to be out doing more and, and traveling and um, w- without six children who one of us always has to go potty at some point, and so we constantly, I mean, we just always take up the bathrooms wherever we go, and, you know, some days I want to trade that in, but there are moms who would give anything to be at home mm-hmm. with their children. 
And yet it's recognizing, like you've said, no matter where we are, if we are attempting to live how God wants us to live, then we just need to trust where he has us today. And so for me, today I'm at home, and there's another mom. She might be at work, and she would give anything to be at home. But for now, if we have asked God, God, where do you want us? Where do you want me to be? And then if we've done, you know, acted on what we sensed him, leading us to do because you know so many 10 years ago when we asked about homeschooling well I didn't really want to ask but I did and I didn't have a resounding yes you should homeschool but I didn't have peace with saying no either and so I took that first step of homeschooling our our oldest child through the last half of preschool because I remember telling my husband if I can't do preschool then forget it we're not going to do preschool. <laughs> um, and that's what I did too honestly <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to do a trial run. I didn't even have enough confidence to teach kindergarten. I was like, oh, my goodness, I have to see if I can even do this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so when that preschool went great, there again, I just didn't have peace with saying no. So we kept I'm going so little by little, mm-hmm. and here we are 10 yeah. years later. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's still hard days, but I know it's exactly mm-hmm. where I'm supposed to be. And there's, there have been a, a, you know, other chances where I could have said no. And just said, no, mm-hmm. I think um, God wants to use me to speak and to travel, <laughs> and and yet that doesn't align with all of what I believe the Scriptures say about teaching our children first. Now, the Scriptures mm-hmm. don't say we have to homeschool. It doesn't say that anywhere. But we are absolutely accountable to teaching our children about God and all that he's done in our lives. And so for us, this is what it looks like for our family. This is how God has teaching us is from home. Now, that can be done just as well. I know so many families in public school that whose children are following God and, and know the Lord. And that's all we're really accountable to do at the end of the day. But um, for myself, I know this is what it looks like, and I would have been disobedient had I not done it. But, yes, it's trusting that we can trust our circumstances if we've asked God to lead us, that we can trust where he has us now. Oh, that was so beautiful. I was just, um, earlier this week, I was um, I was like, God, you know, you're just crazy. You are crazy to take me around the world. I'm the type of person that if I don't get sleep at night, I walk into walls, let alone right. go around the world and be jet lagged and try to give talks every day and, you know, have conversations with people. It's like, God, you're just insane to send me. You are crazy to send me. And his response to me was, and isn't it awesome that you said yes? You know, and yes. it's just, that's the bottom line. He is crazy. He's crazy to entrust us mm-hmm. with children. Like, what was mm-hmm. he thinking? And, yeah. um, you know, he's crazy to entrust us with relationships we have in our lives where we have the opportunity to talk to someone about him. Why would he trust me with that? But sometimes he does. And it's just such a privilege and an honor. And the full the full thing, if we were going to just... Um, boil this whole hour down to one thing, it'd be just surrendering to God, um, just choosing to choose the joy of the Lord instead of the delusion of control, just to just yeah. to surrender and to let him choose. Jenny, this hour has flown by. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you, Marty. I'm excited for your trip. Well, I am too. I'm very curious. I love the word curious. <laughs> it's a great yes. word. And it's a great uh, great concept and it's so much better than worrying about everything you know I'm just not sure how this is going to go curiosity is a wonderful positive um, way to let God have all kinds of things unknown in our spirits but cared for in his grace and you guys I want to encourage you to check out Jenny's ministry it's at if you remember the phrase cross your Jordan um, it is CYJ Ministries, Crossing Your Jordan Ministries, CYJMinistries.com. Jenny, if people go over there, what are they going to find? Well, they're going to find a blog where I don't update it as often as I'd like, but it is just mm-hmm. speaking from the scripture. So it's teaching. It's a way that God allows me to teach, even though I am working from home, and to teach people how to find God in the mm-hmm. scripture. So first and foremost, there's a blog. There's also my story. So my belief that we can all live abundantly regardless of our circumstances and just a plea you know, for women to allow me to walk beside them and lead them into that life of abundance through a relationship with God. And um, also just a list of free resources. There's a few Bible studies I've written and a list of homeschooling resources as well. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. You can also find Jenny over at womenspeakers.com. Again, thanks, Jenny, for being here. You're welcome, Marnie. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks, you guys, for being here. Can't have a radio show without listeners. So excited that you join us uh, live on Wednesday afternoons at Blog Talk Radio or anytime that you have time afterwards at the archives around the internet at your favorite listening 
would like to share this program on your website, just go to Blog Talk Radio, Perspective Transformation, and you can download a player box to then embed in your site there. Also, want to be sure to give a shout out to womenspeakers.com. If you are seeking a speaker for any upcoming women's events, you'll find over 1,000 speakers available to you over at womenspeakers.com. And if you are a speaker, it's a great place to get found. This is Marnie Swedberg. My website is marnie.com, M-A-R-N-I-E.com. And you can access all of the resources that I provide over there. Thanks so much. You have a wonderful rest of your day. See you next time. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.